Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 60 of Yogaland. On today's episode, I talked to Desiree Rumbaugh and Michelle Marshallden, who just co-authored the book Fearless After 50, How to Thrive with Grace, Grit, and Yoga. It's a great book. It's a really funny book. It's a well-researched book. And these two women are amazing together. They're amazing collaborators, and they are the people to write this book. I'm so happy that this book exists in the world. We are all aging. If we are fortunate, we're all aging by the day. It's better than the alternative, as my father always said. And I, I think that in the yoga community, we have an opportunity to experience, perhaps experience aging a little bit differently than before, than generations before us, because we are taking care of ourselves and we're thinking about these things from a younger age. I want to say that as I was listening back to the interview and taking notes, I was typing furiously because both Desiree and Michelle just offered so many great, hilarious little nuggets in this interview. So I know you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to give you a little concise summary of my favorite ones. When I asked Desiree how her practice has changed after turning 50, she said, instead of doing 100 dropbacks to celebrate my birthday, I now do 100 Ordovidanyarasanas. And Michelle talks about being a warrior for your own happiness and how there are things in her 20s that she if she couldn't do them right away, she just gave up. And now that she's past the age of 50, she is ready to do the work and and that that's such a valuable part of life. So they're both incredibly down to earth. And the book is not just a shiny, happy, flowery, oh, if you do yoga, everything is resolved as you age or, you know, we can (laughs) perform miracles. It's very realistic, and uh, they talk about the fears that come up, the natural fears, the changes that happen in our bodies, and they just sort of have thought about arming us with the tools to manage and thrive. So before we get to the interview, I want to get back to our Yogaland stories. I skipped last week because I was getting a little backed up, but I would love to put a question out there this week, and the question is, how has your practice changed as you've aged. And you know, you don't have to have aged too much to even notice changes in your practice. If you're doing a regular practice every day or several times a week, you're going to notice changes in your body and changes in your heart and changes in your mind. So I would love to hear your stories. You want to participate and you haven't participated before, you go to Instagram, you take a photo of yourself. It doesn't have to be a yoga photo, but it does have to be a photo of yourself. And then tell your story, answer that question and use the hashtag Yogaland Stories so that I can find your story. And then at the end of the week, I will post someone's story on my feed and on Jason's feed. All right, everyone, enjoy the interview. So how did the two of you meet and how did you decide to start working together creatively on this project? Who wants to go first? I'll start. Okay. Hi, I'm Michelle Marshallden and I'm known as the Yogi Muse. And I've been practicing yoga since the 90s. Well, I've dabbled before it, but in the 90s, that became more serious. By 2007, I had become a yoga teacher. I started in Ashtanga and then I worked my way into power. By 2007, I was in my mid to late 40s. And I mean, everything hurt. I had sciatica, my back hurt, my shoulders hurt. 
and it's not a, a slam on any other kind of yoga. I still love different kinds of yoga, but I was just hurting. And I, I walked into a conference where Desiree had a therapeutic track and took every class she offered. And she was literally the first teacher that said to me, you can do this and you can practice without pain. In fact, the sentence she said, I remember it to this day, 10 years later, she said, it's your birthright to practice without pain Mm. and followed her pretty much inappropriately since then. (laughs) Well, she is such an infectious, amazing, knowledgeable person. So I, I can't blame you for that. And then you know, we started collaborating on this idea because I started Wisdom Warriors in 2012. I'm Desiree Ramba, and I was in my early 50s by then. And I thought, I want to practice with my compadres, my cohorts who are in the same position I am. And I want to kick all the young people out of the room and see what I can get these older people to do Yeah, <laughs> when they're not worried about keeping up with anybody, but they still have to work hard, maybe at a little bit slower pace. Right. And so that began this whole connection to let's write a book about this because there's, there's a, a demand for this. We want to be strong, but we just might have to slow our practice down a little bit and look at things in a different way. We can still do it though. So you started it as a a workshop and now do you have a whole training? I feel like I read that in the book that you have a whole training. I have a 12 hour training that is aimed at people who are already teachers called Wisdom Warriors, co-teach it with a physical therapist. That's what I did to make sure we were doing everything spot on. I went to a physical therapist to okay everything we were suggesting people do. And so she presents slides and you give the anatomy background. And then she also can work on people if they're stuck because that's that. the premise. It's not, you're never too old to heal. Right. And that's the message. That's so helpful that you offer that. I mean, you know, you make note in the book that there are things that change. There are just things in your body that change and approaches that you have might have to make. I actually love the one part where you say at a certain age, you want to make the pose work for you instead of trying to get yourself into the pose. And really, we should be doing that starting at the age of 20. (laughs) But I think when you really start to feel it in your body is when you're like, oh, I I really do need to to change things around a little bit. So I think the thing that really stands out to me in the book that makes it so unique is how you talk about the fact that in some ways, in general society, we're sort of given this message that like after the age of 50, as we start aging, we become fragile and incapable. So can you talk about your philosophy on this? Oh boy, (laughs) it's true. No, there's a, and I'm not sure if we're told that or we see it in the media or just in our parents. I'm not sure how that message comes across, but it is there that we, well, we actually do feel a hormonal change. I would say that's where it really happens is that whatever age you are, when you go through the hormonal change for men and women, your body gets stiffer and your bones start to change. As you say, there's bone loss and, and your muscle tone goes away faster. And if you don't want to work out hard, it really goes away fast. And then it's kind of hard to get started again. Mm-hmm. You know, or you get injured or you have, like Michelle's had her fair share of injuries and surgeries lately that it could be hard or difficult for people to get back in the game after a big setback. And mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. So we really do need encouragement. And I think that's the tough part is finding yoga teachers who are not afraid to encourage. Michelle can speak to that even more from what she's just recently been through. I'm so glad you asked the question, Andrea, about society thinking older people um, are becoming fragile. 
when I wrote my first book called Finding More on the Mat, I wrote it as a reaction to my own feelings of contraction. I could do less. I understood less. You know, my children understood phones better than I do, and they still do. Everything around me, I just felt less capable, less potent. And so for me, yoga was the way for me to feel um, not only myself again, but to feel an expansion of my own capabilities. I don't think it's just society, but, you know, the world changes and we have to learn to grow and change with it. And we have to learn to use our changing capabilities in the world as, as it is today in order for us to feel full and whole again. And, you know, the other thing about yoga that I noticed, and I'm in Denver, which there's a lot of yoga in Denver, according to the, I think it was the Huffington Post, Colorado is the capital. We have more yoga than even California per capita. And then comes Alaska because there's not as many people, but (laughs) a lot of yoga is young. And so what happened to me is that I would go with some of my issues. I have very fragile bones. They break easily. And I broke five in one year. And I would go into a yoga room and I was immediately told, be careful, which is also code for, I don't know what to do with you. So just go in the back and sit on block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that translates to me as, oh, I'm afraid. If she sure. thinks I need to be careful, now I'm afraid I will break something. And so it, what we're asking and calling for in a way is a, a shift in the mindset. There's a beautiful quote in the book in which we quote Diana Nyad, and it's a, something I live by, where she says, As she became older, she had a body that was almost as strong, but a mind that was so much better. And that's exactly how I think many of us feel. We really have almost Mm. the capabilities we did in our 40s, for sure, maybe our 30s. But our mind is so much more resilient and ready and patient and ready to work on things that I didn't have that in my 20s. In my 20s, if I couldn't get it, that was done. I was off to the next thing. Right, right, right. What do you think it was for you, Michelle, that shifted from when you went into the studios and felt like that fear projected onto you? What was it? When did you start to feel a shift and like more of an empowerment in the yoga practice? I'll be really honest. When I met Desiree, I mean, she was the very first person who said, oh, you can do this. She didn't look at me from the outside as a woman 50 plus years. She looked at me, I think, from my spirit and the fact that I wanted to. And I think that's just 90% of the game is that I want to live without pain. I want to get stronger. I want to find my core. And she, all she had to do was just show me how. A lot of people just didn't see that. So for me personally, I started with Desiree. I also had a lot of teachings with Amy Apolte, who's closer to home. And I um, just shifted my yoga a little bit to be more aligned and to be more empowering with strength. So I practice with a very strong muscular practice now, which is different than I had been. I hadn't really used my muscles as much as I do now. So one of the things you point out in the book is that, you know, we do lose muscle mass as we age. And with that, perhaps some endurance, and that's just a fact. And so you both supplement with weight training and with cardio. And I had a breast cancer diagnosis almost three years ago. So I'm on anti-hormonal drugs. So I sort of feel like I'm kind of going through things a little bit younger than I normally would. Um, And that whole process, and you actually talk about this in the book, that, that whole process just had the interesting effect of making me feel so alive in my body. And 
So I do a lot more cardio than I used to. I do a lot more weight training than I used to. And it's really, really helped my yoga practice immensely. So I completely relate to you saying you feel stronger in that sense because you use your body in a different way when you have that awareness. I just recently saw a study where it showed that what weight training, what aerobic activity and what yoga does for different parts of the brain. I thought that was very interesting. Ooh. And so now we're encouraging people to do all of it. I think back in the olden days, because I've been practicing and teaching for 30 years. So, yeah. you know, coming from the olden days, thinking of alignment-based yoga that I was trained in, I just thought, okay, I only do yoga. I don't need to do totally. all this other stuff. Such purists. Oh, but now, yeah. yes, we've all found out that there are different parts of your brain and different ways in which your body is stimulated and it all works together in a really good way. Yeah, absolutely. So Desiree, you are one of the most capable yoga practitioners I've ever had the honor of working with at Yoga Journal. <laughs> I can remember actually you doing a standing split and you asked me to push on your, <laughs> your upper leg. You're like, harder, and then, and then walk. harder. <laughs> Like leaned my entire body weight into you. <laughs> You're so strong. Anything for the photo, Andrea. Exactly. Anything <laughs> so for David funny. Martinez. So I'm just curious, how has your practice changed? And actually, I don't even know how old you are. I mean, I... Oh, okay. Oh, she's going right with a juggler, well, Dad. Yeah, and I'm so proud to You can to just say generally... No, I think we should be proud of how long we've been able to be alive on this planet. And yeah. I am 58 and one half. Yay. And, and I have a granddaughter now. So I'm super blessed. That's yeah. awesome. What I was going to say is when I was younger, I came pretty much from the basis of flexibility because I was a dancer. So I knew even back then that I was getting away with a lot just being so flexible. I was strong, but more flexible. Around 2010, so seven years ago, my daughter was a personal trainer and she got to me and she said, mama, we need to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you are like a ba uh, walking pile of rubber bands. You're like a noodle. Yeah. yeah. And this school too, she said, I think you just might be a little teeny weeny bit out of shape, like cardio wise. Oh, she took me out to a fitness class too. So these people got a hold of me and I'm really grateful because now I'm working out. Now working out is not my favorite thing. I much prefer yoga, Yeah. but I have to say that I like the results. So I'm a proponent of doing everything now. Yeah, absolutely. And how about your asana practice? Like, do, have you changed anything or... I would say, yes, I have. I've brought a few things down. Like instead of doing a hundred dropbacks to ce uh, celebrate my birthday now, I do a hundred and eight Urdhva Dhanurasana. So, you oh know, I've my made a gosh. Little... <laughs> I guess it still sounds daunting. You're but... such a slackard, Ray. <laughs> my God. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I don't know why we're here right now. <laughs> she had us do uh, 50 of those Urdhva Dhanurasanas last summer. And I want to be honest, I didn't talk to her for a few days afterwards. <laughs> I cannot even well, I think imagine. I'm it's not everybody's cup of tea, but actually just say, I just encourage people to work to their own personal maximum. Right. I cannot ski with Michelle. Okay. She's a, a really fabulous skier. I won't even go near the ski. So, okay. So everybody's got their thing. Yep. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. Let's get into a little bit of what your approach is 
with the 50 plus set. Obviously, people come in with such different life experiences at that point and such different um, levels of awareness and having been in their body or not. What, how, how do you approach people? I feel very fortunate to be well, so well steeped in the alignment-based biomechanics of yoga that I have been. And so I teach them that, but I also make them do exercises. I make them, I encourage them to do exercises to keep their muscles firm. I, I really emphasize if you don't have the strong muscles, you're not going to be able to follow the technique or the technical instructions that we're giving you. You need to have the muscles developed too. So we do both. We work on all of it. I make that very clear. And I give modifications so that it's not too daunting. I don't throw a whole pose at a, at a student if they're not ready for it. I have them do something on the wall or something on the floor. But Michelle can vouch for this. We have workshops with people of all ages now. Every summer we have the summer camp. The oldest person that comes is going to be 79 this year. Wow. And the youngest person is going to be probably 27. So that's a pretty wow. big age range. And they're yeah. all together in the same room. And that older one... He's going to kick up the handstand by himself at the wall and be really proud of it. It's pretty wow. impressive. There are those people out there still. And so yeah. we're cheering for each other. We, Michelle and I both agree that it's good to be in community and see, well, darn it, if he did it, you know, he's 79 years old, you know, she's 71 and she's doing it. I can try to do. Yeah, that's really true. There's something so encouraging when you're in community and when you see other people who can do it. You know, I brought some students last year and one was in her mid sixties and she kept saying, well, I don't know, I'll be the oldest one. I don't know if I can do this. And then she saw the 70 year old and she, she's up on the wall. She's like doing okay. everything. And I, you know, she just said to me afterwards, well, he could do it. Yeah. And there's something really encouraging to know. And that's why we wrote this book. We just really believed that there were people out there who still wanted to kick asana at a certain age. We were not the anomaly. There's more of us like that. And I think everyone, wa I mean, I hope everyone wants to stay strong and vibrant. I remember in Cindy's foreword for our book, which is just so beautiful on its own, she said that working with Desiree was like working with a gym teacher. She'll use anything she can to get to her end. And so if she sees that a person's shoulders aren't open, she's going to find something for them to do to, to get that awareness in their body. And if she sees someone's core, she's going to grab a strap and strap them up and get them to start using their core in a more mindful way. And, and she changes your body that way. And she changes your awareness in your life. And that's how you end up getting towards, you know, on a path towards a, a pose that you might've thought previously was out of your range. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Desiree. I can tell you want to say something. Yeah. What I think is helpful to know it, for the people who are listening to is I came from this dancer background where I was flexible, but I was also kind of weak. I, I was never an athlete, never developed a strong core. And so uh, coming from a flexible, weak background, I understand fear mm. because when you're weak, you are afraid. And I was very, very afraid to do handstands. And I had luckily encouragement from the teacher that I was studying with believing in me, like Michelle said, I believe in people now. I can see that you have the potential, but uh, now I'll even go a step further. Say, I feel your fear. Let's do this instead because I understand that fear is going to block you, but let, there's steps we can take. Right. Because fear is a big issue for aging. Fear of the unknown. None of us have been there. We don't know what's going to happen. We've seen our parents. We've seen other people, but we don't know. Of course, it's scary. 
So that's you why know, my tagline, love is about, stronger than fear. <laughs> we talk about the fears that increase with aging and fear of infirmity, fear of death, fear of illness. I mean, all of those things are not just uh, fears. They're actual realities. And we, we get closer to those things every day. And so accepting that we have to work with these things is part of getting stronger with yoga. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. I like what you said about having that whole age range of practitioners, of students and being in community. Generally in Western society, we don't do a great job with valuing our elders. You know what I mean? So it's nice to think that you're creating community, like in this conscious way of like including everyone, because it is great for young people to see that, like you said, even though there's a lot of unknown that comes with aging, it's not all over. It's not all, you're not done. No, I get that comment a lot. And I don't take uh, any offense when younger people come to me and say, when I get old, I want to be just like you. (laughs) I I take that as a huge compliment because that's what we can do now. Once we're over 50, we're closer to 60 now as we can, it's called generativity. When, you know, as you pass along what you've learned to the coming upcoming generations and I have still and Michelle and I both have a lot to learn from them because like we can't operate our phone without help, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just read something that said in 10 years, we aren't even going to have the smartphone. Where is it going to be like a chip in our body or something? What's going well, on? we'll be on glasses and our wristwatches. We will not have this little rectangular device anymore in 10 years. So we really need help yeah. <laughs> seeing up times. I want to be up with those times, you know? You got to get this nailed down before it changes again. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Did you feel like you faced any, you know, discrimination as about the project as you were writing the book? Did you have to kind of stand your ground about your project? You know, we did. As a matter of fact, you know, we were told repeatedly by the mainstream publishers and media that we were just told that um, our focus was too narrow and that nobody really wanted to address this age range, and and they they were encouraged to write a, yet another general yoga book for all the people who want to do yoga. But all of us know who have ever been into a yoga class that a lot of those people are younger. And we, this was a passion of ours. This was our passion project. You know, I felt so seen by Desiree, both my fears and my strengths when I first met her. And over these last 10 years, I have, you know, probably 700 hours with her. I felt so supported and encouraged that I said, it is important to me to reach out to all the other people who are getting older. And if they're not 50 yet, you know, you might get here someday and know that, you know, you don't disappear. Like we are not going anywhere. We want to stand out front and center and give all the people who still feel sassy at 60 and sexy at 70 and fearless at 50 a voice. You know, we are here and we are, are not going anywhere. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did it because I mean, like you said, it's inevitable. It's going to happen to all of us. And so why not? Like, I, I mean, this is part of the reason I do the podcast. Like, let's just talk about the reality of what happens. And I feel like, you know, the yoga practice is perfect for that on an emotional level. It's so much of why we do it. We want to understand the mysteries of our life and aging is part of that. One of the things you talk about, you, I think you have a whole chapter devoted to this idea of, of steadiness. So can you talk about why that, that concept is important in this, in this book? 
I think, well, you, you can look at it from the yogic viewpoint, abhyasa, study, practice over a long period of time, devoted, is what yoga is. And so that's one definition of study. Michelle, you have another definition of study, staying the course. As you aid, things are going to happen. They are just going to happen. You might uh, develop a, an illness that you hadn't foreseen. You might break a bone. You might have heartache and trauma in your life. I mean, this is loss, what, yeah. and loss. This is what life is. And you have to get up. And for us, the definition of steadiness being the new strong isn't that you have to lift or bench press your weight or be, you know, do 108 sun salutations. You just have to make it to your mat. Mm. And that can be in any way, shape or form. But take credit for getting up and getting back at it. Even if you take time off and even if you take a year off, take credit for coming back. And to us, steadiness is showing up over and over again because it's it practice is the point. It practice is as Joyce says, practice and all is coming. And so there comes a time and I think you know it when you're when you survive a cancer, you know it when you survive any kind of illness that was devastating, a loss of someone you love. The world goes on and you must also. I also want to add something is that I tell people in my classes, like we're preparing to become the older person that we want to become. That is so true. You may as well start aiming in the direction of the way you want to be and the kind of person that your kids want to have around and not that the person they talk about behind their back, like, oh, God, my mom's coming or my dad, you know, like this or that. Become, that's what will happen if, if we don't watch out with what's going on with our mind. We will lose brain cells. We will age backwards. I mean, that might happen anyway, but at least we can put forth some effort into a daily practice, meditation, yoga, that can really benefit what we're acting like, what our behavior is like. Yeah. I remember um, taking a class with Gary Craftsell, and I think I've even mentioned this before in the podcast, but he said something like yoga can help you as you age. And that, you know, he said, think about when you meet an older person who's fearful and anxious and closed off and doesn't want to try things. And then think about when you meet an older person who's like joyful and grateful and has funny stories and like sees the humor in life and the ridiculousness and just makes you feel happy. He's like, that's what yoga can do for you. And that for me was like such a selling point. I'm like, all right, I'm sticking with this, you know? Oh man. That's yeah. what we all want. It doesn't matter so much about the physical body being able to do amazing poses anymore, but if you're an amazing person to be around, that goes a long, long way. Yeah. And I want to be able to walk up and down the stairs. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good goal. That's a good goal. I, I see, I, I see, I can foresee that that is going, that is going to remain possible for you. Um, oh, also. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm really grateful. Both of you talk about some major traumas that you have been through in your own lives. You're very forthright about those in the book. And I think that's just really helpful to people. I like the part of the book, and this to me seems kind of related to the steadiness, where you say it's okay to just be okay when you've gone through something difficult. You don't always have, things don't always have to be. You don't fabulous. have to be happy, happy. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, and you both went through things at different points in your lives, or you've been through, of course, you've been through things at different points in your lives. So I guess, Desiree, since you were an adult, when you went through the loss of a, a child, what do you feel like were some of the kind of key sort of mental ideas that got you through that? 
that feeling that you put out there of just deciding that things are okay, that seemed to me like that might've been something that, that you came to after going through that experience. It came in stages, that awareness. It took three whole years for me to get to a place of full acceptance, but I had to go through stages. And one of the major things that helped me, and I think this would be helpful for anyone going through a really rough time is knowing you're not alone. Mm. You are not the only one whoever went through this. So I went, did a little research on the internet and I found stories of other people who had lost children. I looked up stories of people who had become quadriplegic. I looked up anything that I could imagine that would be terribly difficult for me to handle. And I watched and listened and read and, and that really helped me. Really, really recommend that. Mm. Know that you're not alone. Reach out, find other resources, talk to people who've been there. I, I met a lot of people who lost children. And so that helped with that piece of it, Mm -hmm. not feeling like, oh, poor me, you know, there's a lot of us. And then um, also the spiritual thought that our children are not our own. They're not, they're not ours. They're not our possessions. They're separate souls with their separate journey. I did a lot of counseling on that. That Khalil Gibran um, poem. Yeah. Yeah. Your children are not your own. This is very difficult. All of us are mothers. So, you know, you're so attached. And it's normal. You're so attached. The thought of anything happening to that baby is forget about it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Or a 20 year old. But when you see them as a different person having their own experience and having crisscrossed with you in a way that you are also feeling the loss, then you can start to release that grip. The, oh, poor me. I lost mm. to this person went on and had a different experience. And now what is my life going to be like? I had to really separate myself from the grip of the attachment. Mm. Yeah. Way easier said than done. But I think it's good for me to put that out there like that for other people who are wondering, how in the world do you come back into joy? Yeah, no, you've been such a great example of that too. And I think that is huge for other people to see because like you said, you're not alone. You're not the only person who went through it and you're not unfortunately going to be the only person who does go through it. And here you are as like this beacon of hope, you know? But it takes time. The attachment is so great, you know, Mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. Yeah. I found um, as her student, I found Desiree's story to be so incredibly inspirational because there isn't anybody among us that hasn't suffered. I mean, every human, perhaps not the same agonizing trauma, but every human has had something. Mm -hmm. And that poor me, it can be a trap. And if you say to yourself, well, I'll never be happy again because this happened. And then you meet Desiree and you, I think if, you're rational, you can say, well, there's a way out. Mm. And that's why I felt it was so important to include her story as part of this, of our book, because our story about yoga is really not just physical asana, but it's about really being a warrior for your own happiness. And that happiness is also your birthright as much as feeling okay in your body. And that both of those things will be challenged as you get older. And both of those things are attainable. Mm, Yeah, that's so nice. That's really nice. And Michelle, you've been through a lot physically in the past few years. So you've had to rely on the non-physical parts of the practice. Has that been challenging or, you know, are you grateful that it's been there for you? Uh, You know, um, what's that old joke? One time I was on a bus and we were stuck in this terrible traffic and someone said, did anybody pray for peace cause, or pray for patience? Because this is all your fault now. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if I learned all the philosophies and immersed myself in yoga because I was going to need it someday. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's sort of a joke from the above, right? Mm-hmm. But 
I've had physical issues. One of the teachings that I always remind myself is that I'm okay. Like, am I terrific? No, but I'm workable. I'm okay. And when I go onto my mat, I really have had a sea change. Like I used to want this pose. I mean, I was like a trout for a fly. I was just big time going for it. And if a teacher taught me something after class, I'd be in the corner going for it. Going. I mean, you could hear like the knocking at the wall trying to Into hit a handstand. Hand knocking with my legs. But um but these days, you know, I don't want to just say that I'm at I'm in the good enough place, but I'm in the okay enough place. And I'm very happy Mr. Iyengar uses the phrase, there's a lot of donkey work to be done in yoga. And I'm very happy in the donkey work. I, I guess that makes me an ass enough. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I know I'm just a goof. I'm very happy with my practice. I think I'm happier with my practice today as even though it's quite diminished from where it was about five or eight years ago, I'm happier today than I ever have been. I think it's because of this tremendous acceptance um, I have for what I can do. And that's a gift. Yeah, that's a huge gift. And that's what Michelle and I were writing this book about too, is that we want people to push their practice as far as is good for them too instead of bringing it down to where it's comfortable. I love that. You know, because it's so easy. I, I can see how in later years, it's so nice to sit on the couch with the reading glasses and a book and knit. It's so nice. Mm -hmm. But you, you really do have to get up off of that thing and do something more than just restorative poses, even though they're all so wonderful. Otherwise, that's all you're going to be able to do is sit on the couch and knit. And the kids will be playing around you. And a lot of people in you know, their later years take that back seat to life. But it's, it's actually quite impressive when older people get down and play with the kids. Yep. Show true. their grandchildren how to do a handstand. That's the kind of grandparents I want to produce here with this practice in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it makes a difference to the kids too. My, my husband's mother is super active, swims an hour three times a week, was a runner growing up. And she's so active with our daughter. And I mean, they're like their best friends. They're just so tight, you know, because she can relate. She's there for her. See, that changes you as a person thing. when you stay active and you stay in the game. You're in the game. It's, you, it changes you and your outlook on everything in life. And that's what we're saying. I was just telling Desiree recently, I have an old, old book um, from the 70s that Mr. Iyengar wrote on therapeutics. In it, he says that over 60, the pose you should do every day is Dwipada Viparita Dandasan, which I don't know if it translates well in English because I know not everyone knows the Sanskrit, but it's sort of like wheel on forearms. And um, he said, oh, it's the perfect uh, shoulder opener. And what happens as you get older is the upper back will start to round and it's the perfect upper back opener and you've got to use your legs for strength. But, you know, these days, the, it seems like the perfect pose for an older person is support a child's pose. Right. And so we've gone backwards. We've become so accustomed to comfort. And let me just say, human beings love comfort. I mean, we invented 700 thread count sheets. Mm -hmm. You can't make that invention if you don't seek out comfort at every turn. You know, I would hate to teach yoga in like Hawaii where everyone's so comfortable and happy. Like what's their greatest discomfort? There's a cloud in the sky today. <laughs> You know, it's like it would be hard to coax them into an uncomfortable position for a few breaths because, you know, life is so good. 
I just think that it's our attitude of, you know, you work to your level, but you work is really the way to stay strong. If you don't you work strong, you certainly will not stay strong. Absolutely. My husband is, he's a little bit younger than me. So he's just in his early forties. And he says to me all the time, like, I finally really understand the whole, that adage, uh, move it or lose it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, he's, he's always been active his whole life. He's always been naturally strong his whole life. He has great endurance, which is something I really struggle with. And he's got to like work hard now to maintain. And that's what we're trying to do here, right? So especially as, we, as we're getting older. I wanted to um, offer one other idea too, that uh, sometimes people think they don't have time. They don't know how to get started. So Michelle and I had this great idea, we think of making videos to go along with our book. Because when we're writing out the yoga, it becomes cumbersome for yeah. people to okay, lift the arches of your feet, all the little details that are in there. So we made some companion videos and I think that will be helpful to people. You can do it and they're small bites too because we know that these busy grandparents and busy older people that are running around still working and doing everything don't have a lot of time. It's also, that's also a really nice way for people to get started if they're afraid to go to a studio. That's really smart. Yeah, they might not have access to someone who's trained this way so they can have access to us. I'll put a link to that on the show notes page so people can can get to it. That's great. What else? What what else do you feel in addition to yoga is key for for living well? You know, I want to just uh, add that that nutrition is really important in terms of living well. And I'm so blessed to know Desiree because I'm not much of a cook. I'm a very good shopper, but, I, but I'm not much of a cook. And, um, and she, you know, she's cut the time. She stayed with me so many times for writing this book. And, you know, if you don't know Desiree, she'll get right into your kitchen and tell you what you shouldn't be eating. And so. <laughs> <laughs> right and in the refrigerator. So, she goes right in there and she's like, let's have this. And she's pulling out my refrigerator and she's looking at this like, no, no, we're not going to have that. It's supposed to be organic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We have wonderful, we don't want to tell anybody you shouldn't eat this or you should eat that, but we encourage you. We want to encourage everybody to really look at their diet, really look at your health, really take the biggest view possible. And if you are, if your weight is not supporting the things you want to do, you have an ability to do something about it. We have wonderful recipes from Desiree's cookbook in the back of the book. And I just made the yummy sauce and it was really yummy. Mm, the tahini <laughs> sauce. I, I'm yes. going to make the quinoa walnut falafels. Those look really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about your recipes. They look so good. Awesome. Now, I'll, I'll share a secret to your listeners on, about Desiree, which is that, you know, as you get older, you get more dependent on your dominant arm. And so Desiree, when she bakes, she uh, uses her left hand because she's just that way. I love you. (laughs) That is hysterical. (laughs) You're just always working it. Oh my God. Working on the angles. She comes in and she goes, I made this with my left arm. So I'm not as sure as the one I made with my right arm. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be ambidextrous, you know. (laughs) Never too late to be ambidextrous with Desiree Rumba. Her next workshop. With my granddaughter, I keep handing her a ball to her left hand because she always wants to take it with her right. Hey, she's 11 months old. It's time to start using both hands. Throw the ball. (laughs) Well, I'm really shocked she's been slacking. (laughs) 11 months old. Just learned how to hold the ball. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What's her name? Kyla. Kyla. Oh, I've seen some pictures on the interwebs. It's so cute. So cute. 
Yeah, yeah. So when does the book come out? Where can people get it? When and where? So the book is now available. You can uh, purchase it today on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Um, It will be available uh, to Barnes & Noble and all bookstores. And it's also available internationally. Now, the formal date for our launch is August. And how it became available now is really just a long and gruesome story nobody needs to hear. But the good news is it's here. Awesome. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, congratulations, you guys. I love it. And it's so nice to talk to you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank Thank you you so much. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 60. And as Desiree mentioned and Michelle mentioned, they have video that goes along with their book, which is just such a great idea, such a great companion. So I'll put a link to the video on the show notes page. And don't forget to share your yoga land story and tell me how your practice has changed as you've aged. I will absolutely tell you my story this week. So search on the hashtag yoga land stories to find all of your other yogi friends stories. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on iTunes and to subscribe and follow along wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss the next fabulous episode. Thanks to Desiree and Michelle for joining me this week. And until next week, enjoy your practice. Steady rumble like a dream It is unstoppable Moving all views held behind Closed eyes held behind Closed eyes Moving all views held behind Closed eyes held behind Closed eyes So eagerly